0: fear of the country being invaded and taken over by a more powerful nation. Without a thought for God, political leaders are trying to protect themselves by making alliances with other endangered countries. They're on war alert. And on a personal level, they're a massive problems, people struggling to make ends meet, hunger, poverty, poor physical and mental health. Does that sound a bit like today? It does to me. But actually, I'm describing the civilised world, so-called, 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And the prophet Isaiah spoke into this chaos all those years ago. He said the darkness of the time would turn to light, as Steve's just read. Everything would be put right by the birth of a child. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government should be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Human beings have many gods. But the one true God is beyond human understanding. He's beyond human imagining. He's beyond our knowledge. He's beyond our reach. We have neither the ideas nor the language to describe the true God. And our ideas of him are faulty. We can only know the true God if and when he shows himself to us. And he does. And Isaiah 9 6 that we've read is one example of how God shows himself to us through the prophet. It's also a huge surprise. Who'd think that a child would govern the world? What human being would have that idea? These words say that a child, a son, will govern the world. Not a Hitler or Churchill, not a Putin or Zelensky, not a Trump or a Biden, thankfully, not a Sunak or a Starmer, not an Israeli Prime Minister or Hamas. No, the government will be shouldered by a child. A son, And since the knowledge of Jesus has spread through our world, I suggest it's very difficult to argue that this verse refers to anyone else but Jesus. 700 years before the coming of Jesus, Isaiah announces his birth. He says he's wonderful counselor. That's how the Holy Spirit is referred to. He says he's everlasting father. If he's son, spirit, and father, then he must be mighty God and the prince who will bring chaos with his rule of peace, righteousness, and justice. And I just want to focus on the name everlasting father for a moment and the place that Jesus, the son of God, has in this. Firstly, God is perfect father because he's the first cause, the creator of everything. John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness. This is how John introduces Jesus to us, unlike Matthew and Luke, who describe him in the cradle. The word became flesh, John says, and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So God is perfect father because he's the first cause, the creator of everything. And the son of God was right there, part of the bringing into being of everything. Secondly, God is perfect father because he initiates, he starts intimate relationships. Jesus said, I and the father are one. That's the closeness of their relationship. He said to his followers, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. He says to his followers, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then he says, on that day, you will realize that I am in my father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So that the followers of Jesus become intimately involved with the father and of course there's a mystery in this and then thirdly God is seen as the perfect father in the story that Jesus tells about the perfect father it goes like this, a father had two sons the younger son asked his father for a share in the estate now Please, Dad. Generously, the father gave it to him. So the son goes into a foreign country and spends the lot on wild living and parties. Famine hits the land. The son has nothing. So he gets a job on a farm where he looks after the pigs. A Jewish lad looking after pigs. You can't get lower than that. He starts to dream about home. His father's servants are far better off than he is now. He decides he's going to go back. And he practices his return speech on the way. Father, I've messed up. Please forgive me. I deserve nothing. But I'd love to join the servants and work for you. father's heart was broken when his son left he longed for him to return every day he gazes down the lane in hope and now this evening he sees his broken boy come round the distant corner his heart bursts with love and joy he runs down the lane his arms open to embrace his son Words don't matter. Redemption, rejoicing, celebration. Jesus says, that's just how the everlasting father feels when one person turns to him. So as everlasting father, God watches over his children. He makes himself known in his son, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, The Father made us. He loves us. He knows what's best for us. He knows our needs before we ask. He cares massively. And he wants to be in close relationship with each one of us. But he gives us the freedom to choose how we live. Like the perfect father in Jesus' story. He's come to us in his son. He's sacrificed himself for us. He waits and longs for us to come to him, to give ourselves to him, to become his heart, his mind, his hands, his feet. And that's the way that God's light will shine in the darkness of our world Creating harmony out of chaos, order out of disorder, and bringing peace to earth. Opening the gates to God's kingdom of love and of righteousness and of justice. He invites us into relationship with him.